today on It's Time. Not the Lord will give me strength, but the Lord is my strength. Do you realize there's a big difference? Is it your strength with God added in, or is it God solely in your life? Big difference. It's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through the book of Exodus. So turn there in your Bible and follow along with Pastor Mike. Father, may your Holy Spirit work this morning in every one of our lives. And God, for those that have already had a close encounter with you this morning during the worship, I just pray that you would just continue to move them closer to you. Lord, move all of us closer to you. And as we read these words today, that they would not be just words written centuries ago, but Lord, that they would be as relevant today as they were when they were written. And so as we spend this time, may your Holy Spirit rest in this place, touch every individual watching, listening, present, and those around the world. And so Lord, we just ask you now for your grace and your anointing in these words in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Exodus. We are going through the Bible. We are in Exodus chapter 15, but before we go into Exodus 15, we'll do a light review in uh, chapter 14. Last Sunday night, we had a number of people get baptized here. It was a grand time, and we'll have another baptism scheduled if you miss that one. And so I want to just encourage you to uh, keep in prayer and let the Lord just do as he wants to do in your life. As we look at the life of Moses, the children of Israel, how God called them out by name to make them a great nation. And God does things much differently than we do. I always sometimes in my mind get an idea how God's going to do something. And when God doesn't follow my plan, I feel like God has not really answered my prayer. But I find that God does many greater things in his plan than I would ever accomplish in mine. And so not only did God deliver the children of Israel from slavery, from Egypt, but he also showed the Egyptians who was really God. Now, as we look at this in Exodus chapter 14, the children of Israel are being pursued by Pharaoh's army. They decided after the 10 plagues that after they let the people go, they decided they didn't really want to get rid of their free slave labor, so they sent out the military to bring them all back. But God saw all this, and if we go back to Exodus chapter 5, Pharaoh said, who is this God of yours that I should listen to him? 
God says, all right, I'll show you who I am. And so we find here, and we can just look at verse 24 of chapter 14. Now it came to pass in the morning, watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire, the cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. He happened to trouble them at their most vulnerable point, and that was in the middle of the Red Sea. You see, God parted the Red Sea for Moses. And again, I always look for this in our Christian lives as this. When you are pressed beyond measure and you despair even of life, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, remember this, God's about to do something amazing in your life. Mountains on both sides, Pharaoh's army behind you, the Red Sea in front of you, and the only way out is up. That's what God specializes in. Now, why does God wait for the last minute to do things? Friends, I don't know, but I know this. I believe sometimes in waiting for the last minute really demonstrates to us that we have exhausted every possible solution to fix the problem ourselves. So there God then intervenes miraculously at the last minute because realizing there is no other solution for the problem other than God. This is exactly what happened with the children of Israel. As they passed through the Red Sea, God parted it, and they're on dry ground. Now that they're all on dry ground, Pharaoh's army decides it's going to pursue them through the Red Sea. At this point, I would have thought the command from the head Egyptian captains was crazy. You don't ride your chariots into a parted Red Sea. Failing to interpret the data at hand can be disastrous, not only for the people of Egypt, but also in our own personal lives. When you see things going wrong in your life and you begin to think, hey, wait a minute, maybe I'm not doing what God wants me to do. Don't miss the data at hand. I would be very suspicious running a chariot through the Red Sea with fish poking their heads through heaved up water. I would begin to say, now that's something you don't see every day. But instead of them saying, hey, we're not supposed to be here, they press on. And as they press on, God makes it more evident to them they're not supposed to be here. Now, I don't know how God does this next verse, but I know God has ways of doing it. Let's look at this next verse here. He took off their chariot wheels, so they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Their wheels came off the bus. Now, when you stop to think about this for a minute, they're all out in the Red Sea. Wheels start falling off the thing. They got fish's heads poking through the heaved up water, I'm sure. And they realize something is wrong. And so they said, let's change course. Let's flee. I believe at this point they were probably trying to turn around. And of course they had a traffic jam because bus wheels were falling off their chariots. And so the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea. The waters may come back upon the Egyptians, on their chariots, and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the, in the morning appeared, 
the sea returned to its full depth, and the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and over all the armies of Pharaoh. And they came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained or escaped, literally. And the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea. And the waters were a wall up on their right and on their left. And so the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. There's something about, again, as we talked about this last week, seeing your old enemy finally done. And they were done. We talked a little bit about this. Some people wonder if this is where Israel got some armament. I don't know how the bodies would have floated to shore. I imagine they... uh, probably bloated up or something. I don't know. But whatever it was, the Egyptians were dead. And thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Again, your testimony, what God does through you, is evident to people around you. And when they see that you can take a licking and keep on ticking, They know that it's God doing that. It's not you. And you look at this and realize, and I shared this before, years ago they had this Timex commercial and the guy goes, yeah, I found my watch out in the field. I was plowing and two years later I picked it up and it was still working. You remember those goofy commercials for Timex? I would think that Timex should spend a little more money on wristbands be losing their watches so often. But the point is, is it took a licking and kept on ticking. That's the same way it is for you. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. The devil wants to stop you and me from doing what we do for God through the circumstances and the events of this life. And yet through all of that, we continue to do what God's called us to do. Then Moses, chapter 15, verse 1. And the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying... And by the way, this is the first song we find recorded in the Bible. I think it's kind of interesting, but this is where actually we find the congregation breaking out. They were so overjoyed when they finally saw the destruction. Now, you got to remember, children of Israel just saw ten plagues come upon the Egyptians. It did not come upon them. He, they, they just saw their enemy completely wiped out in the Red Sea. They saw the pillar of fire by night, the cloud of smoke by day. I mean, these people are surrounded with supernatural miracles, and yet we're going to see that continually they doubted God. Now, I always look at that and say how clunky these people are, but then I realize sometimes I'm the same way. I can see the victories that God has given me in my life. And yet when I come up to the next challenge, I go, okay, God, where are you? Isn't that funny how we forget? That's why the Bible tells us to remember the pit from which we were dug and the hole that we were drawn from. Why is that? Because we forget. That's why we need to be together on Sunday morning and Wednesday night and other times. It reminds us of the goodness of God. 
This is why, again, in the Passover meal, not only did they get to eat the, 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 the great part of Passover, but they had the bitter herbs in there. Why were they, did they have the bitter herbs? Was to remind them of how bitter slavery was. Because oftentimes they would go to Moses and they'd say, Moses, we want to go back to Egypt. We miss the leeks and the garlics. Our breath hasn't stunk for a long time. We want to go back. And, and it's really amazing to me because as you look at this, they forgot the tyranny of slavery. Thus, the bitter herbs was to remind them that it wasn't everything they remembered it to be. Well, they break out in song. Song of Moses, this is not the only one. There's another one up coming up uh, pretty soon as well as we continue to study. I will sing to the Lord. He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider has been thrown into the sea. Wow, I got to tell you, this was probably sang with great enthusiasm. Moses in his rock concert. No, this was sang with great enthusiasm. Why? Because first of all, all you find is praise to God. You don't find any praise to Moses or to Aaron or any other thing. It's all praise to God. And by the way, friends, that's what true worship is. It never worships the instrument. It worships God. And so that's the first thing. And always remember, true worship is to God, not about God. And so you'll notice, I will sing unto the Lord. So it's a direct relationship, like a prayer set to music. And the Lord is my strength and song. Not the Lord will give me strength, but the Lord is my strength. Do you realize there's a big difference? The source of your strength. Is it your strength with God added in, or is it God solely in your life? Big difference. Because oftentimes, people come to church, people get a relationship with God to add to what they are doing, not that God is the focal point and the center, uh, the center part of, of what they're, what they're looking at. And so he says, and has become my salvation. You know, you can know about God. You can know God's salvation is there, but until it becomes real to you, it's second party. It's, it's abstract. So it's when God's salvation comes to you. Friends, maybe you don't need God's salvation like you may need it in the future. But I can guarantee you, if you're a Christian, when you need it, it will be there. You see, again... It's not an addition hung on my card. It's that God is the card. And there's a lot of Christianity today that says, oh, just put Jesus in your pocket and climb to the top. No, I got to get up. You know, you ever seen that bumper sticker? God is my co-pilot. Let me just tell you something. God is the pilot. I'm in the trunk. I want him to drive. Because you know what I found in this life? I don't know where I'm going. I have found that oftentimes in my life. Somebody will walk up and say, what are you doing? And your response will be, I don't know. 
because we don't. We don't know what we're doing because everything that I am doing oftentimes is based on the circumstances surrounding my life. But if you've lived any time at all, you realize the circumstances by the day can change. Look at our world. Look at the news. Look at the imploding of America right now, friends. We've got real issues. Do you realize everything we've known about life is going to rapidly change now when the United States of America has equipped equipped Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, all of the terrorists in the Middle East with the most sophisticated technology and American weapons that we have? When we literally walked away from tens of billions of dollars of military equipment, all now in the hands of sworn enemies to the United States. The reason we were in Afghanistan in the first place, and this is somehow missing in our news, was because of 9-11. This was the hot spot where these people were making all their plans to destroy America. America came in to break up the uh, terrorist groups, and we didn't realize how sophisticated they were. That's why we were there. And that's why we need to still be there, albeit... Maybe getting out of there wouldn't be a bad idea, but you don't leave eight brand new Apache helicopters, which could be sold to China, reverse engineered, saving them trillions of dollars in research and stealing and breaking into our computers. They have an exact copy. Hey, copy it and make them all you want. Billion-dollar air bases now completely in control of American. You don't think this is going to change the way the world and their safety is? Look, we didn't even know that stuff existed. We didn't even know that stuff existed before 9-11. Now it's going to be exported around the world. So what I'm saying, being in Christ, being in his love, so important in the days that we're in. Because again, circumstances change. I can make my plans, but God can change those things so I will be of the most effectiveness for Him. He has become my salvation. I pray that He's become yours today. He is my God and I will praise Him. My Father, God, I will exalt Him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army have become cast into the sea. His chosen captains are also drowned in the Red Sea. It's really amazing to me again. His chosen captains are also drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them and they sank to the bottom like a stone. It's amazing how God dealt with the enemies of the children of Israel. I believe God would deal with the enemies of the United States if we would call on him, but we don't anymore. We're a post-Christian era. We don't find God honored in the movies. We don't find God honored in our schools or our colleges or our government. In fact, some actually are deliberately saying we are scrubbing God out of our political platform. Really? So what is the result of that going to be then? You're going to adapt 
philosophies and idealisms that are contrary to the Spirit of God, which God will judge. You know, one of the things that God says, if you don't honor me, no rain will fall on your land. I wonder if the great drought that we've had for the last 20 years, where they say Lake Mead is now so low and Lake Powell is so low that they can no longer pump out of it, which is going to create water shortages throughout all of the Southwest, Nevada, Arizona, Southern California, uh, New Mexico, Nevada. All those places are running out of water. And I think, how sad. Because really, I believe if we would repent and and call on the name of the Lord, the rain would come. But when we are in rebellion to God, God does things to get a country's attention. And so he says here, God fights for his nation. Verse 6, your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And your greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You set forth your watch, which which consumed them like stubble. By the way, they were so excited and so blessed when the enemies of Egypt were wiped out in the sea that they just all of a sudden just break forth in song and start singing and praising God. I think that's kind of interesting because it wasn't pre-programmed. It was just something that came out of their heart. Now notice that Moses did this, the congregation of Israel. They were led. In fact, as we get farther into this chapter, you're going to find that Miriam, Moses' sister and Aaron's sister, older sister, um, led the women in worship. And by the way, I do believe people will break out in song when they see others doing that. That's why I want to be careful when you're, you know, if you're around, um, you know, Danny Doldrum and, 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 and everything is bad and everything is down, I can find that that'll pull you down. But you know, when you, when you have a relationship with God, you go, okay, God, well, you got me through this. You got me through that. Hey, let's, let's praise God. See, that's one of the good things. I can be having a pretty bad day. And if I get around the saints, like this morning when I, during the worship, man, I was blessed to tears. All of a sudden I just realized, you know, whatever it was that was bothering me when I came in here ain't bothering me no more. Why is that? Because my focus changes from my problems to God who fixes the problem. So important in our lives. So he says, in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You set forth your wrath, which consumed them like stubble. Verse 8, in the blast of your nostrils, the water gathered together. The floods stood upright like a heap, and the depths of congealed have been in the sea. And the enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them, and they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, amongst the gods? Now, this is really important. Who's among you, God? amongst the other gods. What's interesting here is the Bible acknowledges that there's other gods. There's other things that can capsulate your fancy. 
But there's a true God that overrides all the others. How important then is it that I endeavor to know who this real God is over, as the Bible says here, the other gods? The gods that doesn't mean anything. The gods that capsulate the people's minds in the world today. The things that they serve. Oh, you don't think? I've really never met an atheist. I've met people that say, oh, I'm an atheist. No, you're not. You believe in something or you wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. What lights your fire? What turns you on? What's your buzz, baby? Tell me, what is it? Because there's something that lights your fire, something that causes you to put your shoes on the morning and get out of bed. That's your God. Now, maybe it's driving your car. Maybe it's it's going to school to get your diploma. There's a lot of different gods that are out there. But there's only one true God that overrules all the others. And that's what it says here. Who is like you? Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.